You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Monday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And today is a very special episode because it is not just me talking on the show. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Hawkeye Elvis. How is it going, man? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. Just hanging out in my black and gold jungle room here after a big Hawkeye W. I love it. I mean, we're, my wife and I are looking to purchase a new house soon, and I told her the one thing I need is a man cave because if I get a man cave, I can decorate it however I want, and it'll be absolutely decked out. Right now, I just have my basement. And I'm at least able to put up a couple TVs, but I'm excited to have a room that looks like yours, man. You got the Hawkeye logo, the Tiger Hawk in the back. I love it. Got it. I got the uh, I got the carpet, everything, uh, and and the, I'd show you more, but the place is kind of trash for my kids being home over the weekend. But uh, no, I, I wanted one room in the house, and it was the basement, and this is what I did do it. So I love it. How's your wife feel about that? She didn't care. She she got the actually uh, the walls are uh, black and gold. She helped me paint it and uh, decorate it and stuff like that. So no, uh, my basement. Uh, she got the rest of the house. Seemed like a fair trade. That's amazing. I love. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I was going for. If I get one room, you can decorate everything else however you want to. I don't care. Um, which yep. is actually kind of how it works out, anyways. But I figured if I pretend like it's a trade off, it'll seem like it's better in her eyes, and I yeah. can get the room I want. Yes. Absolutely. So we are here. We're going to talk about some basketball today. Um, later on in the show, um, by myself, I'm going to talk about some wrestling. It has been a great weekend, though, in Iowa Hawkeye Athletics. The men's team dominates Northwestern. The wrestling team dominates Nebraska. And honestly, probably could have maybe squeaked out a perfect record or perfect score against Nebraska, but that's neither here nor there. The women also take place tomorrow against 5-5 five and five Purdue at 3.30 p.m., and you can watch that on the Big Ten Network. And the women's basketball team, as always, is phenomenal to watch. But Hawkeye Elvis, we have you here to talk about Iowa basketball, but first I want to talk about you. How did you become Hawkeye Elvis? I know it's out there, but for the people who are listening here who haven't read the, the article, um, how have you become Hawkeye Elvis? Well, you know, when you when you grow up in the state of Iowa, you like one of the two big teams, and it's the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones. And ironically, even though I grew up really close to Ames, uh, you know, I was just kind of watching sports and stuff when Hayden Fry took over the team and Lou Olson was coaching the basketball team. And, you know, that was, that was a big deal. And so I just, I was, I, was drawn to the Tiger Hawk, as I say. Uh, and then I've always been a huge Elvis fan. My mom, I would, I would go around as I was a kid and listen to my mom's like Elvis 78s. And so uh, I've had season football tickets for 15, 16 years. And uh, at the Indiana game in 09, when Tyler Sash had the pinball interception, that game was on Halloween. And so everybody in the crowd was all dressed up in these crazy costumes. I went back to my mom's house. I'm like, mom, can you make me an Elvis jumpsuit that was, you know, Iowa theme and Tiger Hawk? And she said, yeah. So a year later, I show up. We're playing Michigan State. It was uh, the Micah Hyde Tyler Sash interception. We blew out Sparty, uh, and a wig, sunglasses, and a jumpsuit, and people just like, lost their minds and thought it was great. And I thought, okay, that was fun. And um, then I wore it to one basketball game, and then the next year I'd wear it to one or two football games and one or two basketball games. And then more times than not, when uh, when I wouldn't dress up as a game, people were like, hey, we we got to have Elvis here. Um, you know, but I, I really kind of burst onto a lot of consciousness uh, when uh, I went down to the North Carolina game a few years ago when we beat them down there. Uh, and it, it just kind of took off from there. I'm fortunate that I've always been kind of in the right place and right time for Iowa athletics, kind of like Forrest Gump. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's been going for 10 plus years now and it's a lot of fun. So 
that was quite the cyclical thing, especially the fact that you tied it into Forrest Gump, who also in the very opening scene is dancing to Elvis. I absolutely love how that all, I don't know if you meant to do that, but it all came full circle at the end there. So I, I love it. Um, so it's been basically 10 years that you've really been kind of going strong with Hawkeye Elvis. Do you have any plans of giving it up or is this kind of your identity now? You know, it's, it's a part of me. And uh, I, I've said, as long as people still enjoy it, um, you know, people still want a picture of me when I go to games and stuff and I can't wait until we can all be back together uh, in person, watch these games. But yeah, it's kind of who I am now and uh, I've enjoyed it and the people enjoy it. So I'm going to keep going. I love it. And I couldn't agree more. I've made so many friends the last, especially the last year on Twitter, um, talking Iowa Hawkeye sports. I'm excited to see everyone um, on game day. It is going to be a blast. That first game at Kinnick is going to be absolutely wild. And I cannot wait for that. Hopefully everyone can, we can get to that point uh, safely. As far as the Iowa Hawkeyes go, you talked about being there for the Hayden Fry Lou Olsen era. Are we experiencing something very similar to that? Because that was the heyday of Iowa Hawkeye athletics from a basketball and football perspective. But I could argue that right now we're in that era as well. I mean, we're we're back. Basketball is, I mean, especially I mean, I feel pretty good after watching that Northwestern game about how this team can handle the rest of the Big Ten. Not saying Northwestern's the cream of the crop. We still have a lot of good teams to play, but this basketball team, they just keep getting better and better and better and that football team I posted on Twitter but we returned 14 of 22 starters so would you say this is comparable to the early 80s for you I I think uh I think we're passing it if we're honest because you know you look at Hayden Fry Hayden was the benchmark uh and and pulled the Iowa program out of the doldrums and turned it into what it you know he laid the foundation for that uh and then finally Kirk uh Ferentz took over and Kirk's the winningest football coach in Iowa history um, and what you see now with Iowa basketball, guess who the second winningest coach in Iowa basketball is? It's not Lute Olson. Love Lute. Still mad at Arizona that he left. But uh, it's Fran McCaffrey. And, you know, you, you don't get to be the second winningest coach uh, at any program uh, without just racking up a lot of wins uh, and a lot of excitement and having a lot of good guys. And I'd say that, you know, we're on the cusp of that. Um, getting to a Sweet 16, getting to an Elite Eight, I think that would finally start to get us over the hump. I couldn't agree more. And I think it would get kind of the monkey off the back for Fran as well. Um, whenever Iowa has a bad game, you see the Fran haters come out in full force. Um, I have always been a big proponent of Fran. I feel like there are definitely things I wish he would improve on, which we can talk about. But I think overall, I have really loved his coaching style. And I really love when you talk to any of the former players, how much they love Fran and what he's done. For, I mean, and turning it around from the lick ladder years. I mean, that was a, that was a tough thing to overhaul and he, he managed to do it and put Iowa back on the map. I mean, even getting to this position is still impressive. So, so full disclosure, uh, Margaret McCaffrey is my cousin. <laughs> really? And, yeah, no kidding. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I've known Fran and Margaret, I mean, I, I've known Fran back when he was coaching UNC Greensboro. Um, and I live in Minneapolis and uh, they were playing the Gophers, like one of those early paycheck games for those teams. And there were like a dozen of us in the family. We went over, we all had breakfast in the, or all had dinner before the game at Stubborn Herbs. And then went over and watched the Gophers just absolutely just thrash them. So, uh, you know, he goes to Siena, has that amazing success there. And then when the Iowa job opened, I'm like, oh my God, that would be so perfect. And uh, I was down in Iowa for a weekend and I'm driving home and my stepmother calls me and says, I need you to pull over. I'm thinking, oh my God, somebody died. And uh, so I pull over and she goes, Fran got the Iowa job. And I'm like, so, that's you know, amazing for me personally it's it's been amazing because there's a program i've been a fan of my entire life uh and now because of of this connection uh the type of access i've had to the program um and just being around the people in the program has been amazing 
Yeah. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, I've seen you sit core side a lot too, not saying that's because of Fran, but obviously you have those connections, right? But one of the things I think is really cool about you, and I, I noticed this a couple of weeks ago, and this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out was you said, don't come at the players, come at me. And I think that's a very important message. And I'm kind of getting a little bit spiral here, but that's a really important message. I think people need to realize, and we can talk about that and get, then get into the Iowa basketball game that took place today, because that was after, I think that was after the Minnesota game, Iowa blows a seven point lead. And that was, that was tough one to swallow. I, the Gonzaga game, I was all right with. It, it was frustrating, but I saw there was potential. I saw that half our team wasn't shooting the ball well. Jalen Suggs was light, you know, lights out shooting. Gonzaga's a good team. Minnesota, the fact that we were winning that game, we should have won that game. We blow a seven-point lead, makes it incredibly tough. And then you obviously look at certain people who might have, you know, misread those, whatever it might be. But it wasn't just that those people who struggled, right? And it wasn't. A lot of people kind of came to that decision, right? So anyways, after that game, you get on Twitter and say, don't come at players because people were posting some nasty things. And we saw some death threats. I mean, that is absolutely pathetic. And honestly, if anyone's listening to this show, I don't want you listening if you're going to be that kind of person talking to those Iowa players. And I want to, I want to get a, a sense from you about how you feel about these Iowa players because it seems like you have a good connection. You know these players and you care about them almost kind of like they're your sons. All right, I'll need to quickly pause that conversation with Hawkeye Elvis. I know you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's honestly, it was a blast recording with him. But I do have a message for you from betonline.ag, the online sportsbook experts out there. Um, it is the only place I go to get my bets in and put a little bit of extra money in my pocket with all the sports going on right now, right? We got the NFL playoffs, which, oh my gosh, I had Moneyline Browns uh, almost was so close to winning that. I know I'm going to piss off some of you cheese fans. We got college basketball. We got the NHL. We got NBA. There's so many sports going on right now. Why don't you get in the action? Don't just sit in your couch and watch the game. Put some money on it and put some money in your pocket. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that I personally trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. That's right. Go to pro- betonline.ag, get your free account set up, and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and use that promo code Locked On for that 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And after you signed up for that free account, make sure to go check out the Locked On Bets podcast because 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your old boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast at. And I'll give you a free bet right now. Anytime I was in a game, you bet on them to cover the spread because they have been absolutely crushing it. Now let's get back to our programming with Hawkeye Elvis. You know, it, having that family connection with Fran and Margaret, and I, I can't ever speak objectively about, uh, about them because it's your family. And, you know, the other thing, I've, I've been fortunate because I've, I've been able to really develop friendship with a lot of the players' parents because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, we're kind of the same age. You know, Frank Garth is a friend of mine. Uh, you know, Rich and Nancy Creener, the great people, Jordan's family. And because a lot of times, especially in road games, I'd sit with them uh, and get to know them. And so, you know, as part of that, these guys feel like, for me, per- it, it, they feel like my kids. It feels like my family out there game. So I, I do take it personally. Uh, the Minnesota game was a couple things. One, you know, having to play on Christmas night without anybody in the building um, mm-hmm. because the COVID restrictions are not uniform across the Big Ten. Different different cities have different regulations. So family and friends can be in attendance in Iowa City, but nobody's getting into Williams Arena. Um, and then the fact that they had to come up here and play on Christmas night, not even see their families. 
uh, my mom was up here visiting. And so mom and I went down to Williams because I knew when the, the team was going to get off the bus. I dressed up. I watched the guys get off the bus and said, Merry Christmas, go Hawks. And, you know, so they could at least see one friendly face. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. Back- it's the holidays. You're used to being with your friends and family. And granted, I mean, they're friends and family, but it's not their actual family. Right. Yeah. Uh, So I get home, watch the game. And, you know, two things. One, I knew I do. There's always that minority of the fan base that wants to go after players. If you want to if you want to yell and scream at Fran and say you should have fouled up three, you yell and scream at Fran. But when you go after the players personally, I hate that. And I knew it was coming and, and I just, I hate it and it makes me mad. And so I, I, I started a lot of Twitter fights that night with people who wanted to take shots at kids. And I'm like, they're kids, they're unpaid and they're playing on Christmas night away from your families to give you two hours of entertainment, you know? And the other thing too, and I can say this now, in retrospect, that Minnesota loss does not look all that bad considering no. they beat Michigan, they beat, they've got some quality wins. They're inconsistent, but man, you know, they did us a favor and knocked off Michigan the other day. So I, I've said our both our win and loss to Minnesota both look really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting for me. There's a fine line, right? There's a balance of critiquing what happened, right? I mean, we need to get better at shooting free throws down the stretch. I think that's a yep. fair criticism. I think yeah. Fran should have fouled, but I think you never go at a person. You na- never tag a person. You never call them out on Twitter and say you suck. That's where it becomes across the line. And so I completely agree with you. Um, and and like you said, that Minnesota loss doesn't look that bad. And I, especially no. if you look at any of the Big Ten games outside of Iowa, no one's been consistently able to win these games. And and again, you could probably say they should have won Minnesota. And had there been some better strategic decision-making down the stretch, they would have beat Minnesota and they'd be undefeated in big 10 play, which is something that no other team can say. And they haven't been blown out yet, which is also something that almost no other team can say in the big 10. The other funny thing about that Minnesota game at the end, people are like, Oh, Jordan Bohannon shouldn't have had that shot. And, and at that point, Jordan hadn't gone on a little tear that he's on now. Um, Oh, Jordan has no business taking that shot. Well, yeah, he does. I mean, how many times has he won games like that and hit a 35-footer at the buzzer for us? I mean, I don't want anybody else but Jordan taking that shot at the end of the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice ebb and flow because with Jordan, the two years ago, he struggled out of the gate and he was doing terrible shooting the ball and then he got hot and he became our key guy down the stretch. And then even this season, he struggled out of the gate. And so it's frustrating because when you watch a guy like him shoot, you know how well he can shoot. And when he's not shooting well, it does hurt the team, right? Because you're, if you're going 0 of 6 from 3, that's not ideal. But also, the only way a shooter can get out of that funk is to continue shooting the ball. And then, yep. obviously, we see what's happening now. And he's popping it from 35 feet back and draining it like nobody's business. So, it is – I mean, uh, it's it's funny how things change over the span of 22 days and the, the perspective of Iowa Hawkeye fans. But I think we can all agree right now – Everyone's pretty hop- happy in Iowa Hawkeye Nation. This game was a lot of fun watching Iowa take down Northwestern. Um, Northwestern always scares me. I think it's just football just gets to my head. Mm-hmm. And I get really worried about watching any game versus Northwestern. But Iowa defeats Northwestern 96-73. to Early on in the first half, it was getting a little worrisome. Uh, Boo Boy got going from three. And, um, you know, that's kind of the thing where we see if one or two guys kind of get hot occasionally. And um, we're, we're struggling to defend them. But Fran lit into his team. And they responded outstandingly. And that is one of the reasons why I love Fran. What were your thoughts, though, early on in the first half, those first 10 minutes? Um, Iowa shooting the ball well, but so is Northwestern. You know, everybody, everybody made a big deal about Bowie. Oh, he's been on this terrible streak. 
the guy's really good though. I mean, you know, a guy like that is going to break out and yeah, people can say, Oh, it always happens to Iowa with a guy who goes one for eight or one for nine all week, then comes out and hits slights out against Iowa. True. And, and you know, the nice thing is too, with, with us playing somebody like Northwestern, give, give them credit. They were hitting their shots. You know, we went up 19 to nine, they came back on this run. And then what you saw was, I, th- I think you saw us just a little bit of a little bit of softness, a little bit of out of focus on defense. Yep. And that's what uh, that's what prompted Fran to uh, very colorfully uh, describe uh, how the fact that everybody was was freaking open uh, and <laughs> to to stop that. And the, the nice thing is having a veteran group of guys like this, you know, they responded and, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, call a timeout. The guy got it. Well, no, this this is a group that can you know, take a lead, get punched in the mouth by somebody and go, Oh, okay, let's turn it around. That happened. That happened against Iowa state that happened against North Carolina, you know, teams are going to go. I mean, even bad teams will hit shots and go on runs against you. That's the nature of the game. Uh, And that's how you respond to that. And it's how you just, you know, close out shots better, have better spacing on offense to keep firing the ball and, and, you know, be where you're supposed to be defensively. And and they did, they turned that around, uh, especially from that point on through the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean they they handled that game very easily after that ten minute mark of the first half. I want to get want to get your perspective on this because for me it's been kind of an evolution of this team. And this team is a veteran squad. They've been playing together for years, but two years ago when they almost beat Tennessee that season, it was up and down. They would they would beat a team pretty well. They would get destroyed. They'd beat a team pretty well. They'd get destroyed. There wasn't a lot of close wins per se. A couple of them, Jordan Bohannon did carry them, but it was mostly. Jordan Bohannon carrying them, right? It wasn't the whole team. They get into that game. They go against Tennessee. They're down, you know, 20-something points, and everyone's thinking, wow, we're done. And they mount the most impressive comeback I've ever seen, and they lose in overtime. Since that time, I feel like this squad has continued to actually develop more resiliency and handle adversity even better. Last year, it became a situation where sometimes they'd get down, but the next game they come back strong. And now it's, you get down in game and they don't let it affect them and they go back and they go on a run. Is that something you're seeing as well or something you're noticing that the team seems to be even more resilient two years later from that Tennessee loss? Well, I mean, you, you look at, look at the guys now who are around two years ago. Um, and it's, it's the entire starting five. You know, they were all here two years ago. All those guys, even even guys who are a junior like Connor. Connor's been in the program for four years, and Connor's been Connor's been in Iowa basketball since he moved to Iowa City ten years ago. You know, these are guys who inherently know, uh, you know, know Fran's offense and do that. But more than that, you see you see that experience, uh, and you see that experience. And Jack Nunji um, has been around the program a long time. Jordan's been around it. Uh, Wee's camp. All these guys were there two years ago, um, and they know how that felt. How that how that felt to end the season that way. And okay, we don't want we don't want to feel like that. So what do we have to do? And then you see the guys putting in the time, putting in the dedication to to turn that around. And what you have is you have a really veteran squad who's uh, going to make a deep run this year. All right, y'all. Last message for you before we get into the the final part of our conversation with Hawkeye Elvis, and then finish up with some wrestling discussion. If you haven't heard me talk about Built Bar, then you must be living under a rock if you've listened to the show before because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. It is my go-to source of protein after all my workouts. And honestly, even if I don't eat it right after a workout, I eat it for breakfast every single morning. So no matter what, I'm getting my Built Bar in. If you haven't tried a Built Bar, you have to do it today. They come in 18 amazing flavors, 12 originals, 6 brand new ones over the last couple months, and they have seasonal ones dropping all the time. Believe me, pumpkin chocolate chip, if it ever comes back out, you got to get your hands on it. Peppermint brownie. 
Woohoo, buddy, that was delicious. All these bars, though, are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. But the best part about how delicious these Built Bars are is that they're also good for you. Built Bars are built for the health-conscious guy or girl. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They're great for a keto diet if you're into that kind of thing. My favorite flavor, though, is cookies and cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. Can you really find that anywhere? That you, can, you, can you find a bar that has that kind of nutrition and provides the jam-packed flavor of a Built Bar? The answer is you can't. So check out Built Bar right now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, y'all, before we get back to our show with Hawkeye Elvis, we have shows planned the entire week, and we also had a bonus episode drop yesterday with NFL Draft Scout Matt Miller, formerly a Bleacher Report. Make sure to check that out. Make sure to follow us wherever you download podcasts at or subscribe wherever you download podcasts at, whether that is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, because we have shows dropping every single weekday of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Let's get back into our content with Hawkeye Elvis, and we're going to wrap up with some wrestling talk after that. Couldn't agree more. And part of the reason why they're going to make that run, everyone could easily point to Luka Garza, and I think that's a very obvious one. You could point to Jordan Bohannon or the veteran squad, but what impresses me the most is the bench. And I know that's a... You know, sometimes not the, the the common thing to point out, but Iowa's bench is showing me that this team can figure it out defensively. Uh, two things, actually. Fran, after the Minnesota game, I feel like has been quicker to move to his bench if the starters are not responding defensively. And the backups, the bench players have responded in those situations. And the backups have actually been performing better than a lot of team starters Um this game, for example, the maximum amount of minutes played, Joe Wieskamp at 27 for a starter. We saw Keegan Murray play 16, and wow, he has been phenomenal this entire year. Patrick McCaffrey, 13 minutes. Jack Nungy, 17. Joe Toussaint, 13. I mean, getting that kind of production or getting those kind of minutes from backups and winning by 23 is very impressive. Um, what has impressed you most about this, this bench for Iowa? You know, it goes deeper than that. If you look back to the Rutgers game, Connor oh, gets Perkins hurt. and Aaron Ullis? You know, those guys get thrown straight into the fire on a road game. And again, oh, people can say, oh, well, Rutgers maybe not be that good. Well, yeah, they've still been ranked and they're still a tough out. And at that point, I think they'd only lost one game at home over the last two years. Um, and now you've got starters with fouls. You've got Connor out with an injury. And you're going to stick those two guys out on the floor in the first half uh, in a game that you absolutely have to win uh, and to have them respond. Um, you know, and it, it, Brand's always been able to find sort of that guy who can come off the bench and spark you. And you might only see the floor for two minutes. Um, last year, I think Riley Till really did a good job filling that role. Yep. You know, in, is Riley going to see the floor every night? No. Can he come in and you can absolutely depend on him to do the right things for two or three minutes and get us through a stretch? Yeah. Now you've got, now you've got Perkins. Now you've got Ulis and, you know, put them on the floor with Keegan Murray and, damn, if they're not some of the best freshmen in the country, <laughs> maybe not the country, but at least the conference, uh, and they can hold their own, especially when you have, you know, those three freshmen uh, with a senior out on the floor or a junior like Jack. So mm-hmm. um, I've been impressed with that. I mean, people would say, oh, Fran's, Fran's playing too many guys. That was always the knock in years past. His rotation is too deep. I don't know if that was true, but I think, you know, he's learned from that too. And he's figured out how can I, how can I rotate these guys in more effectively and have yep. the pieces fit together? And there were a couple times in a couple of the games where, I didn't see a, you know, people always say, oh, well, what's this lineup doing on the floor? Well, 
I don't know if I've seen that this year, especially a couple games. It's like, wow, you have a great mix of exciting freshman talent and a great mix of, of senior veterans, and they're just trashing people. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, early on in the season, there was definitely a couple of times where I saw a few squad, you know, a few of the the rotations come in and the offense just goes completely dead. That just radio silence from the offense. But what is impressed? One of the things that's impressing the most as well is, like you said, Fran and his rotations, which again has always been a knock on him. There's always been an issue of if you have too many players, Fran doesn't know how to play them all and get them in at the same time. But he arguably has his deepest squad he's ever had. I would put up our backups against some of the starters in the Big Ten, and they would win, I would say, at least 50-50, which is pretty impressive considering they're all freshmen. I'm pretty impressed with what Fran's been doing, though. He's finding the right rotations to put in. You look at the um, – was it the Minnesota game or – was it the Rutgers game? Where the, yeah, he put in all the, the the backups, and they literally went on a run to get Iowa the lead. Yeah. I, I'm getting my games – because it seemed like it's happened every single game where he – the offense the, – the starters kind of struggle a little bit. He puts in the, you know, the depth players. They come in and get a lead for Iowa, and he's been able to pull all the right buttons, push all the right triggers to get this team going, which has been very impressive. And two of the most impressive has been Patrick McCaffrey and Keegan Murray, and those two together have a dynamic that I don't completely understand, but it just seems to work um, against Northwestern. Patrick McCaffrey driving to the basket, which also Patrick McCaffrey is one of our best drivers in terms of, you know, one of the best attackers of the rim and Keegan Murray just always gets in the right spot, gets Keegan Murray for a nice dunk. What were your thoughts on those two and, and how excited are you for the future of them? I'll add one more name to the mix and it's Joe Toussaint. Yeah. Because you put Joe on the floor because Joe and Patrick are like best friends and watch the two of them on the court. A lot of times they've played together a lot. They are inseparable. Um, and when, when you spend that much time, uh, you know, with your best friends and stuff, you're going to, you're just going to inherently know where they're at and what they're going to do. Uh, and so, man, between the three of those guys, just, you know, take those three, you put a, put some more seasoning on Perkins and Ulyss and give, uh, give another one of the big guys another year, man, the future looks great too. And it, it just goes to show you too, you, you look at guys like Keegan Murray who had how many offers coming out of Cedar Rapids? Yeah, two, and uh, one was Western Illinois. <laughs> you know, he goes to prep school. He gets uh, gets a year of meat on him. And I, I could make a straight-faced argument for freshman of the year in the Big Ten, the way he's come into the games and impacted. And I don't think a lot of people would argue with me. Uh, but having that, having that group of guys, and you said, you know, you talked about uh, our second team being able to beat most. They were beating the first team at the second half of the day. They're out there against Nance. Uh, and yep. Bowie and all those starters for Northwestern and beating them. Um, so the, the future is only going to be, you know, continuing to be bright because brands finding these guys, you know, and it's going to make, it's going to make more guys go, you know what, if I'm going to flip a coin between somewhere else in Iowa, I want to go to Iowa. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. What he's been doing has been so impressive and it seems like everything is coming together. And one of the knocks on Iowa, when you listen to analysts coming into this season was, could Iowa be a final four team? And a lot of it honestly pointed back to Fran as a coach and that they couldn't trust Fran's team and they couldn't trust how he handled things, but also, they're clearly forgetting the fact that Fran was the one who built this team from the ground up. He's the one who brought in these players. He's the one that's created this offensive system that is quite possibly the greatest college basketball offense. I don't mean to be, you know, sound a little bit ridiculous here, but it might be one of the best college offenses I've ever seen in my entire life. Look at the top five. Look at the top 10 career scorers in Iowa history. Four of them, five of them played for Fran. You know, you've got guys like Aaron White in there who was, you know, uh, who like oh, Aaron White, what's he going to do? 
you know, Dev Marble is, oh, you only, you only gave him a scholarship because he's Roy's kid. You know, Luca Garza. These are guys that Fran went out and found and brought to Iowa. And, you know, he's, you know, the man's vision has always been fantastic. Uh, and to find those guys and bring them into the program, and he's continuing to do that. Couldn't agree more. Another thing I feel like Iowa has been improving on as of late is rebounding. And that was a struggle early on in the season, especially against Gonzaga. We gave them so many second-half points. Um, early on in this game, I saw a stat that Iowa was up 10-2 to 2 in second-half opportunity points, and it goes back to rebounding. Um, Iowa out-rebounds Northwestern 40-27, to 33-21 to 20, on the defense side of the ball, offensively 7-6, to 6, and that does – change the game and I've been really impressed with how active I was been grabbing rebounds um is there anything you've seen that's kind of impressed you about that or anything that you've seen that um you can articulate that basically says this is why it's happening well if you look at all the big 10 games nobody's out rebounded us in a big 10 game even though even the loss at Minnesota we out rebounded them um there were a couple of plays today that I thought um you know spoke to that rebounding edge too and it was um I know that uh well Keegan had a block Yep. Uh, and uh, and Garza had a block and you didn't see him swatting the ball out of bounds like they did in the 80s and 90s to give him a finger wag. You saw them blocking it and then getting the rebound and turning that into a transition and turning that into points. Um, when you're doing that, you know, you're giving yourself another possession, you know, that you're probably getting three, four five possessions a game uh, by tracking down that block shot and making something out of it. And uh, at, at, with Iowa's offensive uh, for, you know, efficiency, you know, you're going to give Iowa more possessions. Good luck. Yeah. And I feel like Iowa has done a great job of boxing out, being active down there. I mean, a couple of times we saw today where there'd be two Iowa guys boxing out Northwestern guys and allowing another Iowa guy to attack the rim and get the, you know, get the board, which um, has been very impressive because that was also a concern of mine. And if you look at Ken Palm, it's still a concern. Technically from a statistical perspective, Iowa isn't the best defensive rebounding team. However, no. what we're seeing in these games is that they are doing enough to win these games. Clearly they're doing enough to win these games because you beat Northwestern by 23 three point shooting has came on strong. I was saying that if you're beating the part of the year, if we can just get one or two guys hitting shots from behind the arc consistently, we're going to win every single game. And for a while there, we were riding with just one guy each time. It was Luca one game. It was Jordan one game. It was CJ one game. But now we're starting to see it come together. CJ especially got it back together after struggling the last couple of games, um, put up 13 points on three of six shooting from three, four, seven from the field. He did leave the game with an injury. Sounds like he's healthy and going to be okay. Um, but it was nice to see CJ get his stroke back a little bit in this game. You know, I, I don't think that, that CJ necessarily lost his stroke. I think what you see too with this Iowa team is you don't need all of the perimeter guys to be on every night. Um, you know, Luca, Luca's going to be Luca. He's going to give you 20 and 10 every single night. Um, you know, is he going to kick the ball? You know, he's going to kick it to Jordan. Okay. Jordan's going to go off or have a night. Um, people are like, Oh, what's wrong with Wieskamp? Wieskamp. Well, Wieskamp isn't off. I mean, it's just that the different guys are being found on the perimeter. Um, and when, when guys are hot, they, you know, you go with the hot hand, you let him shoot. And, you know, CJ just probably wasn't, wasn't looking necessarily for as many shots. He wasn't shot hunting. You know, he was realizing that, oh, okay, let's make that extra pass. Let's, let's kick it back out. Let's kick it back in. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, we need this guy to do this. It's going to rotate and it's going to change every night. And again, that speaks to the, the, the versatility of this team. And frankly, I think what makes us really dangerous is, oh, okay, we're going to come in and shut down X, you know, this guy, we're going to shut down Bohannon. Fine. You're going to sag off Connor McCaffrey. He's going to hit you with a three. 
you know, you're going to let uh, CJ drive the basket or sit out and nail freezer and you're fine. Um, but it's, it's always somebody else. And if it's not one of those guys, you know, it's Keegan who can step out and hit a three off the bench for you. Yeah, I mean, the ball movement today, I think what you were alluding to was phenomenal. I mean, there was a couple times where, I mean, it was it was a thing of beauty watching them just rotate the ball around the perimeter in such a phenomenal fashion. And you talk about the fact that you try to guard one guy, but it opens up several other guys. And I want to point back to Luka Garza because everything revolves around him ultimately. How can you not revolve around the national player of the year? He's going to be the national player of the year. If he's not, uh, the system's rigged just like it was against <laughs> Keith Duncan last year and against Tyler Linderbaum this year. I could go on and on about how Iowa's not getting the respect they deserve in national awards, but 17 points today. And Iowa wins by 23. I'm going to keep going back to that because 17 points, the national player of the year gets 17 points. And Iowa destroys Northwestern. That should scare a lot of teams because Luca didn't have to do a lot because Iowa was so handedly winning without him having to be the main guy. He sat, he sat at the 12-minute mark and didn't come back. Yeah. And the guy who played, I think he only played 23 minutes? 24 minutes. 24 minutes. You know, and, you know, he's always going to be there when we need him. Yeah. Um, but again, if we could rest him, unfortunately, we're getting more rest uh, in some spots now with the Nebraska game postponed yeah. uh, in Michigan State the week before. But, boy, you're going to give somebody who works as hard as Luca Garza does, you know, some extra rest. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, and, and, you know, thinking back to talking about rotations and number of guys that played, I feel like in the past, not the recent past, but maybe four, five, six years ago, I don't know that Iowa had the bench depth uh, mm -hmm. to really give uh, some of the starters a break uh, where, the, where the starters wouldn't have to go out and play 38, 39 minutes a night, um, where you could give guys some quality rest in there. And it's a long season and you get to the end of the season in March and you're tired. You know, the longer you can go into a season and keeping your guys fresh, that's what you see. That's what you see with these veteran quality teams who make runs. Look at, you know, Virginia a couple years ago, veteran team uh, who had a lot of depth and, and were able to not, you know, sort of wear guys out as the season went on. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we talk about Fran and his rotations and how, you know, people have some bones to pick with him, right? One of the things is the Fran fade. And uh, we could, we can, we could trademark that because people say it a lot, right? But it does speak to the matter that at the end of February, beginning of part of March, Iowa has historically struggled more than they have at the beginning part of the season. It's just, that is what the records say. Now you point back to the fact that we haven't had that depth and that is a big part of it. Our teams are, you know, our guys are playing 35, 36 minutes. They're going to be exhausted. But when you get to sit Luca Garza for 16 minutes in a big 10 matchup against a team that has been ranked periodically throughout this season, that's ideal because that's going to set Iowa up to then dominate the competition. They're going to be preparing for a very tough stretch coming up. Uh, North Nebraska was going to be a really nice, easy game, hopefully. And then they're going to get into that stretch with Illinois going on through just a gauntlet of ranked teams. But this is setting Iowa up very nicely to be able to play these ranked teams and have their starters rested and ready to go. Well, and if you look at our schedule, I mean, it, it, we still have to play Wisconsin twice. We still got to play Michigan. Uh, there, you know, people said there are no nights off in the big 10. Um, especially on the road. Uh, and if you look at what we've got coming up, oh, well, well, we're going to have another February fade. Well, I don't know if you're going to have a February fade. Half the day, more than half the conference is ranked, Yeah, you know, and Every the top one, tough. all ranked in the top 15. They're good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a battle, but it's going to be a fun battle to see, you know, how well we can do and uh, where we end up going. I couldn't agree more. So last thoughts for you, from you, what are your expectations for this team? What are you, where do you think this team ends up at, at the end of the season? 
you know, it's hard. It's hard to not see us go to the final four um, at just, again, I think that you look at who we played, uh, you know, the quality of teams we played and, you know, we were, we were a cold shooting night on a neutral floor against arguably the best team in the country in Gonzaga. And we lost by 11. Yep. You know, we missed free throws and we missed shots that we care, you know, that we don't usually miss. I would absolutely play Gonzaga again with the way this team is playing now yep. versus mid-December on a neutral court. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I'm not the only one saying that. Of course, Hawkeye Elvis is going to say Final Four for this team, but it's not just me. It's guys, it's uh, you know, who cover this stuff, uh, you know, nationwide. And and Final Four would be beautiful. Uh, you know, at this point, too, this past year and this past season, man, any game we get to watch, I will play. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. Could, I think that's the thing we need, we need to point back to is the fact that at least we're getting to watch basketball regardless. And you actually point out something very um, crucial about the Gonzaga game. Iowa shot terribly in that game. And if, and I actually did the math on it. If they just shot, I, I can't remember my math because it's back a couple, couple agendas ago, a couple weeks ago, right? But if they shot even at 33% from three, which is significantly below their average on the season, they win that game. That's how yeah. close they were. Or if you shoot what their average was the season from free throws, 72 ish percent, they win that game along with those threes. I mean, that's how close they were to winning that game. They, they were just shooting very poorly and Gonzaga was being Gonzaga and you can't have that kind of night against Gonzaga. Yeah, Suggs is incredible. I mean, Suggs is going to be playing in the NBA next year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Fran, Fran loves Suggs. He was recruiting Suggs too bad. We couldn't yeah. get Suggs, but I'm happy with our team the way it is. Um, it'll be fun when we beat them ultimately in the tournament, hopefully, but I, I couldn't agree more. I do see the final four in our, in our picture at some point. Um, once we get there in Indianapolis, should be a lot of fun. Hawkeye Elvis, where can folks find you at? I know you're active on Twitter. You're a fun follow. Where can they find you at? They can find me at Hawkeye Elvis on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. Uh, you know, love to interact with Iowa fans, love to, uh, to chat with them and joke around a lot. And, uh, you know, it's a great distraction from uh, everybody's day and uh, just, just to have some conversations. So follow me on there. Absolutely. And uh, make sure to go do your Jordan Bohannon three-point dance. I saw that as well. That was a, uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I, I mean, you're, you're uh your enthusiasm for his threes were exactly what I was feeling. I was like, yeah, like just jumping up and putting my mind. I was like, are you okay? I'm like, it was just, a, it was an amazing transition three points. Like, what are you talking about? But I feel like the <laughs> dance is probably a better way to celebrate a little bit quieter, but also gets the emotion out as opposed to me just screaming in my house. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I love it. Well, Hawkeye, it's been a blast recording with you. I appreciate your time. We'll have to have you on again later, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Go Hawks. All right, and that finishes our conversation with Hawkeye Elvis. I do want to quickly run through the wrestling. Um, I had a great conversation with him, so we went a little bit over what I was planning, but I do want to quickly run through the wrestling from this past weekend. If you haven't had a chance, make sure you go follow Cody Goodwin, though. We did a great preview last Wednesday. He's a phenomenal follow if you're into wrestling or just into Iowa Hawkeye. Ab the Iowa Hawkeye is absolutely dominating. But on Friday night against a ranked Nebraska team, ranked as high as four by some outlets, Iowa won 31-6. Spencer Lee got things started dominating Nebraska. Liam's Cronin in a 121 pin, getting Iowa up 6-0. Austin DeSantos takes down Alex Thompson 21-5 in a tech fall in the second round. Seven takedowns for him. Iowa got up 11-0. Jaden Ironman, man, this kid's going to be a freaking beast. Won 8-4. Put Iowa up 14-0. Max Mirren comes in, wins by a decision. Iowa's up 17-0. Caleb Young comes in, wins in a major decision. 
up 21 to nothing. Alex Marinelli comes in at 165, takes down number 17, Peyton Robb, wins that decision as well. Iowa goes up 24-0. We get a little bit of a, a change here. Michael Kimmerer um, held out due to injury concerns. Michael would have liked to go. Brands did not want him to go. They insert true freshman Patrick Kennedy, and he absolutely showed what he can do um, in his career as an Iowa Hawkeye. Despite the fact that he lost, he lost number four, Mikey Labriola, um, seven to four. But what was impressive was he was not too afraid of the moment. Um, both times where Mikey got his, uh, you know, his takedowns on Patrick, Warren Patrick was trying to get his and be aggressive towards Mikey. Um, Iowa went down 24 to three after that. Nelson Brands comes in at number eight at 184 and just, Takes down number six, Taylor Benz, in a very dominating fashion. Gives me a lot of hope going into the season at 184. Iowa went up 28 to 3. Jacob Warner lost a hard fought match 3 to 2 versus Eric Schultz. You could tell he was pissed off about that. Didn't want to shake his hand. Iowa went down tw- or went up 28 to 6. Um, stayed the same. Obviously, Nebraska scoring three points with that win. And then finally, to round out the night, Tony Cassiope dominated Christian Lance. Um, dominate's an interesting word, right? But he did get a ton of riding time, easily cruised to a win, I should say, and Iowa went up 31-6. to There are a few other matches after that, um, you know, some extra matches. I'm not going to go into that just because, again, the show has been pretty long today, and I hope you really enjoyed it. But um, I, I loved having Hawkeye Elvis on. He was a fantastic person to join the show and break down the Iowa-Northwestern game. And we'll be back tomorrow with more content, breaking down all the things you want to know about your Iowa Hawkeye athletic community, specifically jumping into more NFL draft talk, talking a little bit about the Iowa Hawkeyes going into next year as well. We got a few more news and information or bits of information. Matt Hankins is returning. Digimon Colbert is not returning. What does this mean for the team? We're going to break all of that down on tomorrow. Very, very Hawkeye football dominated show on the show tomorrow. Again, if you love the show, give us that five-star review and subscribe wherever you downloaded the podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As always, Hawkeye Nation, I love and appreciate you tuning in every single weekday to listen to our show. Have a fantastic Monday, and let's go Hawks.